Today's first scripture reading comes from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nation to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face away from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
Um, our second reading is taken from 1 Peter. You find it in your bulletin, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Peter writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may also result in praise, glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your, fa- of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so this morning, uh, we start Advent. And uh, thank you to our musicians, and um, that happens to be my favorite Christmas song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it's really difficult, right? It's really difficult to rejoice when we're still waiting. It's, it's interesting because one of the things we're going to be talking about through the Advent season is we're actually going to be going through the first, or Peter's first epistle, 1 Peter, or 1 Peter, and talking through some of the themes that Peter writes about. And this morning, our theme is a living hope. And just as a little background for our book, if you haven't read it in a while, or we just wanted to be clear, uh, who we're talking about is Simon Peter, a famous disciple who got in all kinds of trouble, um, who is well known for sort of staying in Jerusalem. Um, our Catholic friends consider him the first pope. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, Christ's rock, right? And later in his life, he didn't just stay in Jerusalem, if you didn't know. Later in his life, actually, Peter traveled a good bit. And Peter traveled around the ancient world, helping the churches like the Apostle Paul. And he's writing this letter from Rome. He's actually in the church in Rome, encouraging churches all over Greece and modern-day Turkey, and sort of helping people. You know, Peter, if you remember, was one of these who was very, very much uh, did ministry with a lot of the Jews and converting Jews. But later in his life, he went off and did wonderful things with the Gentiles as well. And so this letter actually was written differently than the Apostle Paul's letters. See, the Apostle Paul's letters were always directed at a church, right? To the church in Ephesus, to the church in Rome, to the church in Galatia. This letter was actually written sort of broadly to be passed around, right? So we receive this letter from Peter, we read it, we teach it, and then we take it to our Anglican friends and we say, hey, take this letter from Peter and share the things he says to encourage your church. And so this letter is similar but a little different than Paul's epistles. Um, And he starts out encouraging the Christians there, wherever they're reading it, to support them for the work they've been doing, to encourage their faith. It says, in the midst of hardships, be encouraged. To use the Christmas term, be of good cheer. 
Now, in the ancient world, we know much of the church was under persecution. We know much of the church met underground or secretly or hidden. And though you and I don't experience persecution the same way, um, I think all of us would say it's been a hard year, right? We don't want to equate the two, but for right now, let's just call this what it is. It's been a tough year. (laughs) Um, uh, Sometimes life really gets us down. Uh, And we can be honest about that, right? Um, I, I cannot even, as a pastor, recall the amount of conversations I've had with people this year about people lamenting, complaining, grieving the loss of things that have just gone awry, right? Just grieving the loss of a trip, of a work opportunity, of time spent with family, of whatever it is. Maybe some of you lost work. Maybe some of you have had relationships drift apart because of distance. I don't know what it is. Um, You know, but sometimes life just sort of beats us up. Sometimes life wears us out. And I honestly, I think a lot of us feel that way this year. You know, I don't know. I come from a sports background. I've always played sports my whole life. And um, I remember actually thinking about this. Um, I I don't know if anyone's ever done this. Maybe it's the first time you ever worked out, the first time you really did push-ups, or the first time you ever really tried weightlifting. I remember being 14 years old and, and being in a weightlifting class for gym in school. And, and, and as 14-year-olds, you know, just so you know, by the way, um, to give you a picture of Sam as 14, I was as tall as I am now, but I was t- 20 to 30 kilos lighter. So my arms were about this big, okay? That's not a joke. I mean, I was tiny. And so I take this weightlifting class thinking this will be great. I'll get big and buff. And the first time you do it, one, you're not good at it. But then you do it and you think, well, that wasn't so bad. I'll be okay. And then you wake up the next morning. And you realize, I, I can't lift my arms. And then, and then you try to get out of bed and walk, and you collapse to the ground. And you think, what have I done? I don't know if you feel this way. I kind of feel like this way after 2020. 2020 is winding down, and I'm just sore. I'm tired. I honestly feel worn out. Um, maybe, maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe 2020 feels that way for you. Um, Maybe Advent comes up and you just think, I'm just sick of getting out of bed. I'll wait till January and see if things get better. You know, we all lose things, right? We all have dreams that die. We all have hopes that go away. You know, losing things is hard. Having things die, whether they're hopes, whether they're dreams, whether they're goals or aspirations, when they die, it's difficult. And it feels like life is beating us up. It feels like we don't want to keep going. Because why in the world would I ever go back to weightlifting class if it makes me feel like this? I'm just not going to do it again. You know, we all have hopes and dreams in this life. And we place them in things that regularly let us down. And these aren't bad things. It's good to have relationships. It's good to have goals. But when they let us down, it has an effect on us. It feels like we were beaten up. And yet, we have to keep going. We have to continue. We know we can't just stay in bed. We know we can't just quit. Right? I mean, just myself. I look back at 2020 and think about a lot of the goals I had and things I had set for myself. And some of them still happened, and that was okay. But some of them, I just thought, I'll try again next year. Right? 
Just didn't happen. Maybe two years from now, I'll try this goal again. Didn't even come close. I had hope. I had goals. I had dreams. And those things died. Quite literally, those opportunities, some opportunities we have, have died. Because hope sometimes, whatever it is, hope sometimes fails us. Hope sometimes lets us down. Hope sometimes does not come through for us. But there's good news this morning, isn't there? There's good news when we come to the first season of Advent. There is good news when we talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because our Lord and Savior is a living hope. Jesus Christ is not a hope that dies, is not a hope that fails. We come into Advent every year and celebrate for four weeks the coming of Christ. Because it's a living hope. And church, let me remind you, even though we do this every year, I love it. I love singing the Christmas songs. I love the Advent readings. Even though we do this every year, let me encourage you to not let it become an empty ritual. Oh, okay, we're going to light the candle this year. Great. Oh, right, we got all the prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus. Good. Brush up on my Isaiah. Do not let this time, these next four weeks, become an empty ritual that just simply is like, okay, time to get ready for Christmas. Got to start thinking about getting a turkey. You know, what are we going to do? Because oftentimes as people, rituals and annual practices can become really repetitive. But, but the point of this season is not just to go through another four weeks of Advent, but that we are encouraged because we are so, so in need of hope, aren't we? This world is so, so in need of a hope that will not die. A living hope. And so let us consider this living hope with the words of the Apostle Peter. And he starts out in verse 3 saying to the churches around Asia, Praise be to God. No matter where you are, what you are doing, when you receive this letter, praise be to God because of Jesus Christ. Our living hope. This is why we are here. This is why we get out of bed. This is why we join together in worship. That Jesus Christ, through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, has given us a hope that will never fail us. A hope that will never die. And how do we know? Right? How do we know? How do we know Jesus won't let us down? Because all of these other hopes we have in life are circumstantial. We're trusting in something or someone or some opportunity. But there's always the fear that it will die. Jesus Christ is the one who has conquered death. He's already gone through this. He's already been down this road and has showed us that if we place our hope in him, then we have no fear of death. And Verse 4, Peter tells us, not only do we have a living hope that will never die, but that we have an inheritance and a promise that will never fade. Because that inheritance and that promise is actually kept in heaven with God and Jesus sitting at his right hand, waiting for us. It's like the best Christmas gift ever, right? It's being kept safe for you for Christmas morning. And so the natural question we all ask is, well, then how do I make sure? Right? How do I make sure I get this gift? Verse 5. Same thing Paul says, same thing Peter says, same thing Jesus said, through faith. 
Do you believe in this living hope? Right? Yes, there is fruit in our lives. Yes, there are actions we can do to live our faith out. But ultimately, what Peter, Paul, Jesus, they all teach is that we know this gift is there waiting for us. This living hope is ours through our faith. Through our faith in the salvation of Jesus Christ, our living hope, it says in verse 5 that we are actually shielded by God's power, that God protects us. That through the power of God, we are protected from the things that would take this faith from us, that we are protected from the things that would take this gift from us. The same power, by the way, Scripture teaches, that raised Christ from the dead through the Holy Spirit is available to us and protects us until we can have this gift. (laughs) But we're humans. And just saying faith is hard for us, isn't it? Just saying faith is enough is sometimes difficult for us. Yes, okay, sure, we know we are saved from death through hope and through faith, and we get it. But how can we be sure? Well, church, I'm sorry, but the Bible doesn't give us that answer. Verse 6, Peter continues and says, So if you have that faith, rejoice and be glad. He doesn't tell you how to affirm it, how to make sure, how to double check. He says, if you believe, you have access to this living hope, period. So rejoice and be glad. Because this living hope changes our life. And then he continues in verse 7. He does give us something practical, but it's not about your faith, but it's about what your faith does. And it says in verse 7 that because of the trials in our lives, because of 2020, this actually proves and strengthens our faith. The hope and other things we've had this year has failed us. Some things have died. The things we place our hope in, by the way, not bad things. We all need goals and dreams and all of these things. But sometimes they die and fade away. But when we go through these things, Peter tells us, when we go through these trials and our faith is strengthened, it refines us like gold. It refines us like gold refined in a fire, made pure and made clean. And that these things are for our benefit. Think about that. Greater worth is our faith than gold. Which even in the end will be thrown away and tossed into the fire. All of the things we place our hope in in this life will eventually pass away. Our faith, the gift of God through our faith is of greater things than anything of this earth. It's a big thought, isn't it? And we feel it. When we believe, it's hard to describe, right? Because we know it's true. So you say, why do you believe in Jesus? "Ah." Well, there's my whole life story. And then there's these these times I've been in church. And then there's this. It's really hard to describe sometimes. Right? I mean, just... Think about how difficult it is just to communicate emotion for a second, right? Have you ever thought about this? I talk with um, couples sometimes in premarital counseling about this, how difficult communication is just as a basic concept, right? Think about feeling something and then trying to put that thing into words. And then those words need to help someone else understand how you feel so they might feel the same way. It's crazy. You're going through like four channels of communication trying to communicate something that can't really be communicated. 
This is sort of like faith, right? Our faith is so difficult sometimes to describe and to define and to know when we have it and how we have it and that Christ has given this to us. It's really difficult. And that is why we must translate not just into words, but how we live. Our faith needs to translate into how we carry ourselves in this life. So that when you experience trials of many kinds, so that when you experience suffering, you are experiencing joy. You are trusting in the hope. You are trusting in the gift, that Christmas gift that is waiting for you. And not allowing the suffering to break you down and to destroy us. Yes, suffering is real. Yes, pain is real. Yes, loss is hard. But ultimately, we have a greater hope, don't we? And and, and what's funny is Peter says, this is hard enough, but though you have not seen him, verse 8, you believe and must still do the work. Peter says, and by the way, you need to continue to do these things even though you have not seen Christ. Peter's like, I was lucky. (laughs) I saw him. I mean, think about it. This guy writing this letter was there on the side of the mountain when Christ was transfigured into his like, heavenly glorious form. And, and, and what did he do? He said, let's never leave. God, I don't care about everything else. I don't care about the fishing. I don't care about Jerusalem. I don't care about anything else. I just want to be here with you now. And so Peter does not say these words with emptiness. Peter does not say these words with empty hope for us. He says them with matter of fact, truth, to say, you have not seen him, but I have. And trust me, it's worth it. Think about that. You ever met someone who experienced something really powerful? And they said, listen, you didn't experience this, but trust me. This is what Peter is saying. You have not seen Christ, but trust me. He's going to get you through the hard times. He's going to get you through it so that you can rejoice in this gift waiting for you. Church, that is Advent. That is why we take four weeks out of the year and remember the living hope of Jesus Christ. Isn't this amazing? I mean, and not only that, but then think about Peter himself. Peter is a Jewish person trained traditionally as a Jew, reaching out to Gentiles. Remember the vision he had in Acts? He says, Peter, take and eat. Peter's like, no, I've never done anything like this. And God says, no, 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 no. Take the food, eat it. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I'm going to send you someone, and you're going to tell them about Jesus. He sends him to a Gentile, and that Gentile then becomes a Christian, and his whole family become Christians. And Peter's eyes are opened. To the power of this Jesus and the hope of this Jesus. The living hope of this Jesus. And you and I wonder, how is this possible? How can we endure this life just by faith? Peter says it's possible. And so for us today, when we read 1 Peter, when we hear these words that Jesus is a living hope, we need to remember that Advent is not an empty four-week ritual. Advent is not just a time to sing the songs and go shopping on Sundays, right? Which, by the way, is so much more convenient when shops are open on Sundays. But that's not the point of Advent, right? The point of Advent is to rest in a living hope. 
The point of Advent is to channel all of our other hopes and dreams and goals through the living hope of Jesus Christ so that if they let us down, if they fail us, if they die, it is not the end. That though we are sore, though we are beaten up, we still get out of bed in the morning because we know we can rejoice because there is an inheritance waiting for us with our living hope. This is why the Christmas lights are so joyful. This is why the songs are so joyful. This is why the season is so joyful. Not for the things, but for the hope. A living hope that will never fail you. In church, when we do this, we will not be let down. We will not be failed. And even when our worldly hopes or our circumstantial hopes do fail us and do let us down, because let's be honest, they will. 2020 or 2021 might be better, might not. But even when that happens, we trust in the promise that those things will actually purify us. So not only, this is just mind-blowing to me, not only has Christ given us a living hope that will never fail us, but then he has promised us that through him and through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, when we are failed by other things, when other things do let us down, we are then purified. We are made stronger. We are unified together as the church, as sisters and brothers in Christ, because we share these burdens and we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn and the trials actually are better for us in the end. And then we understand that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we read the words of James that says we should rejoice in trials of many kinds and we finally say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because my faith is in Jesus Christ. Zechariah 13.9 This third, this other people I will put into the fire and I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. The prophet says, they will call on my name and I will answer them. They, I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God says the prophet Zechariah. And the prophet Isaiah also tells the people of Israel, which is now true for us, see, I have refined you. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And if you want to go into this theme in the Old Testament, it goes on and on. This is not just a New Testament truth, but this is true of the whole Bible. That the people of God are tested They are refined, and through our faith in Jesus Christ, in his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming return, we will be refined like fire, or we will be refined with fire on this earth. But we have a living hope and an inheritance that will never leave us. Church, it's okay to have hope in things that might let us down. Even people. This is the very nature of relationships, right? We trust in people. People let us down. That's fine. It's going to happen. Some things come true, some things fail. But there is one hope above all other hopes. There is one hope that we channel all of our hopes through, and that is the hope of the living Christ. And without that, without that, I don't know how people get through the day, honestly. (laughs) I just stay in bed. But we wake up and we remember. And today in church, we come to this table And we remember and we are reminded through the bread and the cup what this living hope actually does.
And so church, let us be people, let us be sisters and brothers who channel all of our hopes in this world through the living Christ. And when we feel it, it may be hard to put into words. But may we know it. May we believe it. May we place our hope in the one who cannot fail. Because he has already conquered. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are good. Lord, thank you for Advent. We take now these next four weeks, and we don't take them lightly. Lord, we remember your coming, your humble beginnings on earth that led to even more humble circumstances at death. But Lord, we also remember your glorious resurrection, your conquering of death, your ascension to the right hand of God where you hold our inheritance and our futures in your hands. And so God, we place our trust in that, in you, knowing that you are good and that because you are so good, you have promised good things to us. Thank you for being such a good father. Thank you for being so loving and thank you for being so gracious. May we remember these things and go forward in these truths, praying all these things in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.